Welcome to the Petzinger Brothers Podcast. Kick back and enjoy the musings of James, John, David, Joseph, and Ben, five brothers raised decades ago on a dysfunctional farm in western Idaho. Welcome back to the Petzinger Brothers Podcast. Today is July 26th, 2009, and today we have Ben and John with us. Uh, David and Joseph are not able to participate, but that's okay. We've got a, a topic that we wanted to discuss today that came up during one of our previous pre-recording podcasts where we uh, were discussing the root cellar. You seem to have a pretty good handle on, on what the root cellar, cellar looked like, John. Why don't you go ahead and take it from there? Yeah, the uh, well, the cellar is probably about um, six feet deep, seven feet deep. Uh, had kind of a bunker entrance to it, um, about two feet, with a staircase cascading down to the, to the base. Um, very dark, of course. It was probably eight foot by 12 foot, and again, about... Um, six foot high, uh, and it had a timber timber roof. You know the uh, uh, beams going across, but it was it, it was an earth roof. Uh, so you know weeds and plants, of course, could grow on top of it. You, you didn't know it was there until you came across the, the opening, which had a hatch. Uh, so that you know that that sums up. Yeah, you know, just dirt walls, nothing, you know, nothing uh, fortifying the walls at all. Uh, just a hole. So what was my understanding was the purpose of the root cellar was to store potatoes and other types of foods that can last a long time when they're stored underground, correct? Right. It really didn't have any other purpose. No, that was it. And it was, and, it was in the orchard, uh, just uh, about 50, 50 feet off of the house in the orchard. Doesn't it seem odd that it wasn't anywhere close to any of the entrances of the house? I mean, it wasn't—it was not a convenient location. No. Why? Why? Why was that spot chosen? And I, because I don't—I don't remember any of this. So you guys are gonna have to help me out. Dad had to have dug that by hand. He did. Yeah. He, he dug that thing by hand. Um, I don't know why he put it there. My guess is he didn't want it where there was going to be a lot of regular foot traffic. Could be, yeah. No, that root cellar was there uh, before the house was even built, was it not? That was one of the first things he built. Yeah. That was, that was storage while the uh, the trailer was on the property. That's right. And there, I mean, there are no two parts of that part of the property that are further apart than the trailer and that root cellar. I'm thinking he wanted it as far away from where we were as possible. Could be. Yeah. Anyway, um, so... During one of our previous uh, podcast recordings, or I should say the, the the time leading up to the podcast, we got into a discussion about the root cellar, and uh, you guys got into a little bit of a clip uh, about an event around that. And what I'd like to do is play that back for you guys to hear. I don't think you've heard this since we recorded it, and uh, we'll talk about it after that. So listen closely. The root cellar was really an odd thing to have around. And then, you know, you can connect that with the buck. 
because that's where the buck ended up. No, really? Yeah, we no. buried it in the root cellar. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That he died one day. He ate the uh, poisonous, some poisonous weed in the back of the field, and Dad drug him into the root cellar. And then what? Buried it. Buried it. It, it all happened like within a day. He had the backhoe out there and just skidded right over it, filled it in. Oh. Yeah. I remember filling it in. That was after Joseph, the, the uh, incident. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. What incident? It was like the very goat. When we, when we set up Joseph. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that happened so well, but it did. It was perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh! We were all Joseph. We were as surprised as you. Yeah, because it worked. <laughs> we didn't think it would work. Yeah. Uh, you guys are going to have to refresh my memory because this is a, maybe something I've suppressed. Now, I vaguely remember this, that John and David sprung a trap on Joseph like some Burmese tiger in the jungle. Exactly. And we were down below to see the whole thing. We stilted up plywood, um, <laughs> at, you know, at, at grade, and we covered it all up with, with weeds. And then, then we called Joseph's name. Come here, Joseph. <laughs> and we could hear his feet, and then we jumped back down in it, and we could hear his feet running across the ground. And he ran right over the top of it. <laughs> and, of course, you know, it fell through, and his whole body, just, the whole roof collapsed down on top of it. <laughs> but it worked. Oh, man. And, and God, okay. I don't, know, I don't know how you walked away from that. <laughs> I remember running, and then all of a sudden, I just fell right to the top. And I remember landing on my head yeah. and getting up and thinking, but that didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer in, in angels after that. Talking about the story, I had asked myself, why was this hole open? Why were we able to um, put this false ceiling you know, above us? How were we able to do that? Well, it, the, uh, the timbers used brought out um, and... You know, of course, it's a very heavy earth roof. Um, Dad, Dad uh, demoed it. It was just a big open pit. Um, didn't want it caving in on us because we were using it as a fort. I, I, I really remember anything being stored in there that was food. I mean, it was a fort. We, we played in it a lot. So that's why the roof was down. And that's why it was, um, you know, it was in Joseph's mind that it was ground. You could walk on it. You'd run across it. We thought it'd be... <laughs> We give it a try, David and I. You know, we so we stilted up all this scrap wood and plywood from down below. You know, the sun would shine through the cracks and stuff, and we even threw dirt over the top of it and weeds and tried to camouflage it as best possible, like setting a trap. And uh, called Joseph over, and he came running down, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> he just came crashing through the roof. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I still, I still see the expression on his face. You know, the whites of his eyes just completely open. <laughs> he just <laughs> falls through in the entire ceiling, dirt, weeds, everything we had built. It took us a long time to build that. Everything came crashing down on top of us, and it was just so much fun. And nobody got hurt. He, he should have gotten hurt, <laughs> but, but he didn't. We, we didn't think. We didn't think it, it would actually work, but it, you know, it did. And it was. 
yeah, it was great that <laughs> it worked. Yeah. So where did the idea to do this come from, though? I mean, is this something that you'd seen on TV? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, that, that that's all. We were forced to go outside and do something other than, you know, hang out in the house. So, um, And we were always building forts. I, you know, David and I probably, not that I remember this, but we probably had a conversation on how we could, you know, sabotage Joseph. Because he's this little kid, uh, you know, that was pretty gullible. And, you know, he's still at that age, just right out of being a toddler almost. You know, I think he was like maybe four. Um, mm-hmm. At that age where, you know, you call him, come running, he'll come running. Yeah. He wants he wants to be a part of whatever's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was uh, that was good fun. Though. It was a great, it was a great fort. We were always uh, burning something in it. So. Well, that would be a safe place to burn something, I suppose. Yeah. But we buried the buck there. Now, for anyone who doesn't uh, know what a buck is, the buck was the male goat that we had on the premises. And gentlemen, we are not going to get into a discussion about the goats at this point. There is just too much material there for one pod for for ten podcasts. We can we'll, describe the buck at least. We'll we'll discuss goats later, but the buck. Go ahead, describe the buck. My memory of the buck, of course, he had the long beard. You know, this this nasty, smelly, long beard. Because of course, he's always marking himself to attract the the females. Yeah. You know what I mean by marking himself? Quite something to watch. And I mean, what what other animal pees on its chin? <laughs> I mean, thanks for describing that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying we might as well cut to the chase because that is probably the f- well. It's worse than a skunk. Uh-oh. It would make you nauseous. Oh, I, that. I have I have to admit you interpret this however you want. I don't care. But I was I was fascinated. He, he's like it was like a wreck. You couldn't turn your eyes watching him do that. You know he was yep. doing it. Um, anyway, but. The, the horn set, uh, you know, his set of horns. What were they? Two and a half feet long. Yeah, they were. They were a good set of horns. Yeah, and he was probably the size. He, he looked like an elk. He was huge. Yeah. So. And he was done in by uh, poisonous weeds. That's all it took. Which is amazing, considering that buck would eat anything. Yeah, he. Uh, he. I think it was your skeleton, Ben. You had a plastic skeleton for Halloween. It was like your favorite toy, and we were throwing it around by the corral, and uh, it ended up in there. And <laughs> I remember the lower extremities of the skeleton <laughs> hanging out of his mouth, and you were like screaming, you know, because, <laughs> you know, just nonchalantly, just munching away on this rubber skeleton. <laughs> and I, I probably lost my mind with grief. You know, this is very. Very therapeutic. It explains a lot of my problems. Oh. There was nothing we could do because he couldn't get near it. He was dangerous. You know hey, that. you know, knowing you guys, it didn't just happen to fall in. No, this was not intentional. This is, oh, whatever. This is the same set of brothers that I think we've got a photo where you guys are tossing me into our swimming pool. Now... I know we're way off subject here, James, but our <laughs> swimming pool was a cow trough. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, three feet deep? Yeah. And yeah. and the, the deck, the platform, was from the mobile home trailer? Yeah, it's from the neighbor. 
Yeah, the yeah. stairs and the platform. Yep. And the, there's there's nothing but fear on my face as <laughs> three or four of you have me by all legs and arms. And you just toss me in, and that's how we learned how to swim. And it's very interesting because this week my boys are down in Salt Lake with their grandparents, and they're taking private swimming lessons <laughs> at, a, at a local park. And I look at the contrast, and I'm very conflicted because, you know, we just need to throw them in the water and just watch them kind of flounder. It didn't hurt me at all. <laughs> but the best part is, Dad had to be taking the picture because right. he was the only one who knew how to work the camera. And I bet he was telling you guys exactly what to do. <laughs> oh yeah, toss him yeah. in. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> he would sometimes direct the show, but um, it was always just by slight suggestion. Most of the time, really, that is what we were doing, Ben. I mean, that is what we would do. Uh, yeah, but he pr- he probably saw you guys wrestling me, dropped what he was doing, ran to get the camera. He's like, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> and sure enough, here we are talking about it 30 years later. <laughs> All I remember about that trough was that there's no way to dive in because it's too shallow. We dove in. We were well, diving. <laughs> not not a not a real dive, and and you can't you can't get any uh, real momentum on your dive, or you'd slam into the side of the trough. So we really got adept at these flying belly flop exactly yeah. dives. I mean, we would spread our arms out and just push right into the pool. Joseph was the champion of it. Do you, do you remember painting the bottom of the pool black? So that we could, uh, you know, absorb more rays and, and heat it up better in the summer. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, great idea. It worked. The paint, the paint started chipping up, of course. We had paint floating around in the water for <laughs> one summer. You know, the entire time it didn't hold to the the surface. But I think that the paint chips were the least of our worries as far as what was floating around in that water during the summertime. <laughs> yeah. It, it was only, I think, at most two feet deep, and you know, after a week or so, you could not see the bottom of that pool. No. And there was no way to let the water out. Well, yeah, we would just fill it up till it came up to the brim again, and okay, it's less murky than it was when we first got out here today. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything beats swimming in the canal that ran past the property. I still wonder, you know, what did I soak myself in when we went wading in that canal? That canal, just so people can visualize that, it, it, it ran what side of the property? Because it was a border of the five acres, well, one of the, one of the borders. Right, it was the eastern border. Eastern border. I'm, I'm working on getting a, uh, a satellite photo of the property so that when we describe it to people, they'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've done it. Yeah, I went to Google Earth. I could probably email it to you. Yeah, why don't you send that to me? Okay. Yeah, well, the, the canal water was, it was just that. It was an irrigation canal, and it, the, for all practical purposes, it was nothing more than, than runoff from all of these fields. Who knows what kind of pesticides and fertilizers and herbicides and whatever was, was in that water. Um, that was nasty stuff. But, hey, we'd throw in a couple tires and float down every once in a while. Yeah, they were... The thing is, they were wheels. Yeah, wheels, not for, not not the inner tubes. The rims were still attached. <laughs> yeah, they weren't tires. They, you know, they weren't soft blow up. No, they were. Uh, they were wheels. Yeah. 
How did they stay afloat? Oh, they barely stayed afloat. Barely. They were, I mean, when I sat down in it, the the tire itself was probably just a couple inches up off the bottom of the canal. My head, the only thing it would do is keep my head bobbing up above the, the, the water line. It was, it was a flotation device, and it was what we had, so it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember never being able to jump across that canal, trying several times, ending up in the water, ending up in the mud. Never, ever did make it. Got close, but never, ever made it. I mean, how, how wide was that canal? Go probably 10 feet. 10 feet, yeah. Yeah. And we get a good running jump at it and uh, ploosh right into it. Well, we're, we're not the most athletic group either. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that any of us ever made it across, but we all tried it once, once oh, yeah. or twice. Well, David tried to jump it with his bicycle once. <laughs> That's right. That was the evil Knievel moment. Yeah. And he he thought he could pick up enough speed. You know, I don't know physics, eh, but even common sense told me you got to have some kind of a ramp, at least something to give you lift. But he thought he would have enough speed that literally like a cartoon, he would just float across in a straight line to the other side. <laughs> you know, he before, determined. before that MTV show Jackass, there was us. Yes. <laughs> no, that was definitely a Jackass moment. I mean, he I mean, hard. We didn't, we didn't need video cameras on us. We were the original cast of Jackass. I mean, if you listen to what we were talking about today, you got springing tiger traps for your brother to fall eight feet into a dungeon. <laughs> you have a never-ending supply of a moat of a, an irrigation canal, kids with their bikes trying to jump across. I mean, goats peeing on themselves. And this is jackass material. The only thing we were missing were, were shopping carts and a lot of uh, a lot of drugs, which just you know was never part of the equation. But. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys ever? I can't remember if it was you guys that with with me was with me or whether it was some of my friends. We we thought okay, plywood is flexible, and if I take two sawhorses and a big sheet of plywood, and set it up next to the barn, we yeah. can jump off the roof of the barn onto the plywood, and it'll be like jumping onto a trampoline. We'll just bounce off and and off into the weeds. How did you? How did you ever get certified to work in nuclear power plants with that kind of brain? Are you serious? It worked. Oh, it worked. I jumped off. So, okay, so it wasn't you guys. I jumped off, and that plywood, I mean, it bowed all the way down and just popped me right up, right off. It didn't throw me very high up in the air. I mean, it absorbed most of the shock bowed all the way down to the ground, popped me right back up and off of it. And I thought, that was fantastic. This is beautiful. And I can't remember which one of my friends it was. He jumped. <laughs> and he landed on that plywood, and that piece of plywood just shattered. It just split down the middle. That had to have been John. I'm, I'm guessing it was John. But, uh, oh, and, <laughs> I mean, it was good for one bounce, but that was it. I had completely destroyed any structural integrity that it had, and unfortunately, my friend uh, uh, bore the brunt of that. But, well, the, but, but James, I think I think you're missing the point here. The sawhorses probably took a lot of the shock because they were made out of thirty or forty different pieces of wood. Yeah, well, they were homemade. pretty sturdy. They didn't. They they weren't going to move. 
Homemade sawhorses, every right. one of them. Yeah, they were well, very sturdy. And James, you would we would uh, jump off that barn with umbrellas. You remember doing that? Oh, I do remember doing that. It just so just you know it didn't take much, but just to have a little bit of that lift, you know, the umbrella would catch air. That's all it took. We would do that all day. Yeah, the rooftop, jump off the roof down on the ground with umbrellas. Yeah, it actually was enough to keep you from hitting the ground hard. Yeah, it, it lifted you a little bit, I guess. Yeah, but nobody ever got hurt. No. Huh? Okay, children, do not try this at home. <laughs> yes. Do not attempt any of the stupidity which we lived through as you're growing up. I think is the subtitle we need to kind of remind ourselves every once in a while, especially when we talk about barn roofs. I mean, it really, the spring line of that top plate of the barn roof wasn't, it wasn't any more than seven or eight feet. It was a pretty low roof. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it's not like one of those those huge barns where we're talking about a, yeah, you're right, it's a eight foot off the ground that we were jumping from, but still. Where did you find a, a spot that didn't have any uh, lumber or leafcutter bees? Uh, I mean, where, where were you guys jumping from? East side. East side of the barn. Oh. Okay. Yeah, where the garden, closer to where the garden used to be. You couldn't go too far out of your land on the barbed wire. You, right. <laughs> you had a five-foot space between the barbed wire fence and where you could actually hit. So you had to. <laughs> what, are you, what are you laughing about, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it's safe. It's yeah. safe. If you do this... <laughs> Just bring, let's bring this in right within five feet of some barbed wire. No Don't worries. fall forward. No worries. Uh, yeah, I got um, clotheslined by some barbed wire once. Nice. I was not paying attention. I was running full tilt and just right into the barbed wire. I was just lucky. You know, my neck hit the barbed wire in between two barbs, so nothing penetrated into my neck. But boy, did that hurt. Takes you right out. Just got to pay attention. There was a lot of paying attention around the property with, with uh, the building materials that were out there. Well, there was. And it's uh, it's something I realize I have that my kids don't have. It makes but, them very nervous when they're around a construction site. They don't pay attention. They, they, don't, they haven't developed that, uh, uh, you know, that peripheral awareness at all times, what you're stepping into, what you're walking under. They don't have it. I think our farm was the sixth sense. It was the that, that intangible, you know, you're walking along and then all of a sudden you're like the the uh, alligator guy in Australia. You stop. This is very dangerous. There's a rusted nail underneath this brush. And you kind of brush it aside. And sure enough, there's a ten-penny nail with rust on it. Just waiting to give you some, you know, little tetanus here and there. How many tetanus shots did we have cumulative? I mean, it had to be 20. I mean, how many rusted nails did we step on through the years? Oh, dozens. It oh, was yeah. a regular thing, always stepping on a nail. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to describe the property, though, the property was literally covered with uh, scrap, torn down building materials. It, yeah. I mean, it, I think it was that way even, I mean, I know it was that way even when you, know, you were young then. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I mean, the, and the piles, these piles were, you know, 12, 15 foot high, some of them. Um, they, you know, they had a footprint of, you know, 50 by 50 feet. There'd be a pile there and a pile there. 
Well, the lumber was used for several reasons. Um, Dad would cull through the lumber, and he would cut up with a skill saw uh, anything that he planned to burn through the winter. And then that which was deemed good for lumber, he would try to stack as good as he could. Uh, and then he'd build whatever he needed out of it. I don't. Th- that's the one thing I don't remember doing with my dad is going to the lumber store to buy new lumber. I didn't. I didn't even know how to buy new lumber until I was in probably in high school. Yeah. Working for, working for other people. Right. I always just thought if you needed a two by four, you went and found a two by six and you ripped it down, pulled all the nails out, and made it work. Yeah. Yeah, the the house was built primarily from used lumber. Yeah. And there were there were some days where, you know, he was he was forced to buy something uh, new, something that could not be salvaged and, and made useful. But by and large, most of it was built from Barns that had been torn down. I mean, he'd find out about some barn that was being, and I still to this day don't know how he knew. But it was a regular thing. We'd be going out, putting the trailer on the back of the beast, and that flatbed would go out empty, and it would come back loaded with uh, all kinds of lumber from some barn or some building that was being torn down. Yeah. The, the spring I had my knee surgery, so I would have been 16 years old. Dad. <laughs> made a deal with um, former bishop I think he was a bishop Hart didn't he own all those onion onion fields yeah okay so he was old by by this time and he had one of those massive barns with the uh, um, the loft for the hay I mean it was just one of those huge three story barns and I cannot and Joseph uh, if, if he were with us tonight he would remember working on this one through the spring and all summer um, Dad dismantled that barn with a crowbar and a skill saw, one piece at a time. And Man. we would load it. We would load it on the trailer and bring it home. And uh, that that was firewood and and his uh, building materials. <clears throat> but one, I mean, a, a crowbar, a hammer, and a skill saw. That's all he needed. You know, at some point it. Probably be interesting to discuss where his his propensity for gathering materials like this came from. I you know I suspect it comes from having having survived uh, you know post World War II completely completely decimated cities as a child. That's probably how people went out and got the materials they needed for building. You know I James I I spent some time with uh, I spent some time with Oma asking some questions about dad when he was young and and yeah we'll spend more time on it but she she tells me a story about when uh she and opa manfred and erica had to leave darmstadt and they went to another another town during the war when opa was still off uh in in the ukraine i believe um and firewood just the 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 importance they placed on firewood that was cooking that was heat that was everything mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if if that kind of really stuck with him all throughout life you got to have firewood you have to have a ton of firewood <laughs> yeah and Joseph here not uh, dad was uh, he was the man of the house you know he was the oldest son and at the time he was what seven or eight uh, yeah. 
at that time, it was his responsibility to go out and keep the home warm and get wood while his mother was there with the newborn, Erica. That's right. Yeah. His responsibility to go out there and, and you know, forage for wood. He would carry it back on a sled uh, in the winter in a wagon in the, in the warmer months. You know, it's kind of strange. I don't have a fireplace. My house does not depend on wood for heat. But I have a big pile of wood. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, what are you doing with that, James? You know, I'm, I I just look at it. It's it it gets bigger every year as I cut limbs off trees and and I you know pieces of of lumber that I don't use. I cut them down and I put them in this pile. And this there's this pile of wood sitting next to the house. And you just can't bear to throw it away, can you? I'm not going to throw that away. Yeah. Now I've I've used it once in a while. I'll put it into the uh, you know I've got one of those uh, uh, outdoor metal fire pits, and once in a while we'll roast marshmallows, and that's what we use for it. But I, I have no good useful purpose for what I've cut into firewood-sized pieces of wood. But it's there. It's a pile of wood, and it's one of these vestiges of, from my youth for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think we've all got it. My my dear wife would probably be laughing right now because I've got piles all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll use that for a fence post. I can't throw that away. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've got, you know, I don't I don't collect build, building materials, but I have got computer parts in my office up the wazoo. I'm always thinking, you know what, that might come in handy someday. I may need to build a I may need to replace that part. I'll keep that around. And the reality is, I doubt I'll ever use any of this stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot. I think <clears throat> as we as we go on and reminisce about these past experiences, that uh, we are our father's sons. There is sure. no doubt, and um, I, I see it every day. And it's not something that frustrates me. I think we all had a very deep love for our dad, and and still do. Uh, even though some of these memories are hilarious because <laughs> you can't believe that actually happened. But, man, I, I look back and uh, a lot of the way I act, react, it's very close to Dad. Very, very close. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. We have, we've had a great discussion tonight. I really, I really had a good time. And I think that we have hit the time wall. Uh, so at this point, I think I'm going to call it and uh, say thanks for being here. I wish that Joseph and David could have been here as well, but they'll be here in the in the in the future. I don't doubt that at all. And there will be other times when one or many of us can't participate, but that's not going to stop us from getting it out. So thanks for being here, and uh, to all of those out there who have again been kind enough to listen to our podcast i just want to say thank you and we'll see you again bye now good night see you. hey have a good night see you